0: And uh, open it to 2nd Peter chapter number 3. And you guys have been sitting for a while, so I'll ask you to stand. <laughs> hey, hold my back. 2nd <clears throat> Peter chapter number 3, I'm going to read uh, 8 verses and then we'll pray this morning. So this is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind. By way of a reminder, meaning it's not really necessarily something you've never heard before, but Paul says it's important, or I mean Peter says it's important that I keep you reminded of this, that you uh, you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets, and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires, they will say, "Where is the promise of His coming?" For Ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. By the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Pray with me this morning. Father, we look to you this morning. God, we thank you for being in this place today that your glory would uh, draw us in, Lord. It would feed our soul. It would encourage our hearts, convict us of our sins. Everything that's necessary in the lives of your people is accomplished through your word. And as a vessel this morning, I stand here today, uh, broken vessel at that, and I just pray and ask humbly for the anointing power of the Holy Ghost that, as a conduit, God, you may bring Your Word to Your people. God, that each day we might cherish every moment. God, that we might recognize who it is that's in control of those moments. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Give me a big shout of Amen together, would you? Amen. amen. It wasn't a shout, but I'll take it. Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm going to get back to some of the first part of of this chapter that we read uh, here after a while, but I kind of want to build. The message this morning around that last verse uh, that we read, let me read it again, just simply says that with the Lord, uh, first of all, he says, don't overlook this one fact. Again, you know this, but it's important to be reminded that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. Obviously, we know that God is not confined to the clock, amen? 24 hours, 24 hours doesn't mean anything to God. He he manipulates time as He will. Uh, But I want to title my message this. When a moment is all you have, okay? When a moment is all you have. A moment doesn't seem like much to us. Uh, I actually, I was talking about Google this morning, I actually Googled the definition of moment. You learn, you get bad things on Google and you can get some good things on Google, but Google says that a moment, the definition is this, a very brief period of time, okay? A moment, very brief period period of time i found it interesting you know a lot of times in a dictionary and google did the same thing that when it gives you a definition it'll give you a sentence uh, with that word in it to kind of give you an idea of what that word actually means in a sentence and the sentence that google used this is google's sentence this was the sentence they used she was silent for a moment before replying which indicates, obviously, that if a woman's going to be silent, it's only going to be for a moment, right? right. Hey, it's Google. It was Google's definition, not mine. Don't get mad at me. Um, although, I'm guessing that probably some ladies wrote in some argue, you know, some complaints about that or something because the very next sentence says, he thought for a moment. <laughs> so, I'm not kidding. I'm not making that up. That's a true story. So, I thought that was interesting. Uh, But some other synonyms, what does a moment mean? It's a little while, it's a short time, a little bit, a minute, an instant, a split second. Something that just takes place in a very, very brief period of time. Okay? A moment to us, to God, is like a thousand years. God can do more in a moment than any of us can do in a thousand years. Amen? And a thousand years is like one day to God. It's amazing how a few seconds to us can seem like an eternity. Amen? I don't know about you, but like if I'm if I'm watching, let's say I'm going to watch a YouTube video. Tina, Tina, sometimes she'll be sitting there with her iPad and she'll she'll have a YouTube video video and she'll say, "Here, you got to see this. Look at this." And inevitably, it almost happens nearly every time. She'll look over and she'll she'll show me this video. She'll hit play, and it'll just sit there and buffering. And I have no patience for that. I mean, if if it takes longer than three seconds to play, I'm out. I'm bored. You know what I mean? same way, if I'm looking, I'm thinking, okay, I want to watch some, you know, something about how this works, and I'll pull it up, and if it starts playing immediately, I'll watch it for 10 minutes. But if it starts buffering, and it don't start within three seconds, I'm out. Right? I'm, I'm done. I'm on to something else. It just, you know, a second seems like an eternity when you're waiting for that stupid video to play. Um, the other day, I had, uh, I was at the, at the, the refrigerator. We have an ice maker and a water dispenser at the fridge and cold water. So I get ice, and I'm sitting there waiting for this big cup, to fill up with water. And I, I was needing to go. Me and Dad meet up here in the morning, you know, and I knew Dad was waiting for me. I was like, I don't want this water, but I need to go. And I'm getting all antsy, and I finally just took off. And it finally dawned on me, I was like, you know, I can't take that long to fill up that cup. So I counted the seconds. I, I, sometimes I just get bored. But I counted the second. I thought, okay, I'm going to count it. I put it on there, literally 25 seconds to fill up this big cup. That's not a long time. But to me, it just seemed like it was, you know, taking forever. But it was actually just a very small amount of time. Yesterday, I did a wedding for a young couple, uh, Glendella's niece. And um, they wanted a, uh, we went to, the, went to the rehearsal Friday night, and they were telling me what they wanted, and they wanted two songs in, in their uh, funeral, I mean their wedding. Um, <laughs> wanted, wanted two songs, and, uh, you know, they were going to do, he was going to do his ring, and then they'd play a song of his choice to her. And then she was going to do, you know, do the same thing, give him a ring. And it was, a, it was a beautiful sentiment. The idea is great. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you guys don't have any idea how long a song feels when you're standing up there you go know, get married and all these people are waiting on you but i don't you know i didn't say anything it's it's their it's their wedding and uh you know i let them, them plan it so uh when the song sung it, it felt like they it felt like it went for 15 minutes each i mean literally you know you're standing up there it's just a moment but it, it feels like an eternity and that's the way to us moments are just they're just fleeting but god has control of every moment he can do more in a moment when a moment is all we have god can act God can operate in those moments to do great things in our life. So we should never underestimate God's power and his ability uh, to manipulate time. You know, doctors like to put uh, expiration dates on people, right? Uh, Like to tell people, you only have this much time. Well, that's that's ultimately up to God, right? He's in control of every moment. And so that's, that's what I really want to get across here this morning. A thousand years seems like such a long time to us, but to God, it's like a day. Life literally, our life literally pivots on mere seconds. I mean, your world can be going in one direction one second and then literally be going the other direction in one second. It can change that fast. How many of you have ever had your life change that quickly? It's something you didn't even uh, imagine. I mean, for the better or for the worse. Many times, you know, sadly, it is for the worse. Our life can be going good, going in a good direction. And boom, one second, one one bad news, right? Bad news comes and time literally stands still. You get get, uh, the news of sickness or a loved one has died, uh, sudden uh, divorce or bankruptcy, life-changing things that happen. And in one moment, your life is upside down. And to us, it seems like it's something you can never recover from. But God says, "Hey, look, I, to me, I know it's happening all quick, but this is—I got a thousand years to fix this thing, right? Well, you need it fixed right now." And God says, I've, "I've got all the time in the world, and it's us learning to commit those moments into God's hands. When a moment's all you got, that's all God really needs." Amen. You look at—I was thinking about this. Googled it actually. <laughs> um, don't tell Jeff. I actually googled this while he was teaching Sunday school. Um, I was listening very well, but I, I had forgot to look it up. But uh, I forgot what year it was. But in, in uh, 1929, um, the stock market crashed, right? And began a period of time, a long period of time called the Great Depression, right? But my point in bringing that up is this, that people, and I've read, I've read articles about this before and heard this, that people, people literally drove to work that day on the, at the stock exchange in limousines. I mean, they pull up in a limousine, dressed in the finest suits. They're, they're stinking, filthy rich. I mean, they've made... Their life up until that point has been going great. And they've made stock choices, and they've just, you know, everything's doubled, and they've just made so much money, and they drive to work rich. And in one moment, I mean, in one day, the stock market, the bottom just falls out, and the stock market just plummets and crashes. And those people who went to work... Rich went home busted, broke, bankrupt. Many very wealthy people went out and committed suicide because their life in a second, in a moment's time, was changed and they were going in the other direction and they didn't know how to cope with that, right? When we live every moment, that's why it's so important, even like Jeff was talking in prayer this morning, how we we pray without ceasing. When we live for God with every moment we commit every moment into god's hands then no matter what happens and how it changes and how it flips upside down we have this sense of security because we know that god is holding our moment right he's directing our moment no moment can ever happen to a child of god unless god allows it you remember job job's life great he's got a good family He's, he's, he's got money, he's got camels, he's got livestock. Life was good for this guy for many years. And in one moment, the entire, his entire life flipped and went the other direction. I mean, we're talking, this, didn't, this news didn't just come over the period of uh, a month or two. Somebody comes and says to Job, Hey man, you know, Sabians, a big band of Sabians came in and stole all of your... Your donkeys and your oxen, they're gone. And, and, and Job's like, man, that's terrible news. But, you know, you can recover from that. I mean, just, you know, And but the Bible says while this guy was talking, while he was delivering that bad news to Job, another guy comes, another messenger, and says, Job, I don't want to tell you this, man, but fire just came out of heaven just from nowhere. Was it a lightning storm? Was it a real fire? I don't know. But the bottom line is, is fire came from heaven and killed all of your sheep. Man, Job gets out his iPhone, he gets his calculator, and he's like, man, I'm going to take a big hit on that. But, you know, I mean, we'll recover. While this guy is talking, other guys still here, a third messenger comes and says, Job, the the Chaldeans came in and stole all of your camels. You have absolutely no livestock left. And he's like, man, that's horrible. But at least I got my family, right? take everything away from us and that stinks if we got our family then we can handle it right while he was talking and telling him about the camels three guys standing here all with bad news another messenger comes and Job's thinking I can't handle any more bad news I mean what what is it and this messenger comes and says all of your children were together at your oldest son's house they were having a dinner they were having a gathering having a party whatever and a big strong wind came and blew the house over and killed every single one of your children. You talk about a moment of hell on earth. That moment, his entire life changed. Not to mention the fact that he got sick and got the boils all over him and so on and so forth. Life can change that quickly. If our life is all, if Job's life, you know what Job said in the end, when all of this happened, this was the approach he took. He said, you know, I came into this life naked, and I'm going to leave naked. What is he saying? I came into the world with nothing. When I was born, I didn't have a portfolio. I didn't have livestock. I didn't have children. When I came into the world, I had nothing. And when I leave this world, I ain't taking any of it with me. I'm going to leave with nothing. And in all that, the Bible says Job did not sin against God. Why? He had committed every moment, and even though the moment... Changed everything. He would committed that moment to God. And God, when you read the whole story, made good on it. Amen? Because God's able to take our moments and turn them around. On the other hand, it can go the other direction. I was thinking about Joseph this morning. Whoops, I keep wanting to trip over this. I keep thinking about... I uh, almost had a moment. <laughs> um, uh, I keep thinking about Joseph in that uh, his was kind of the opposite I mean, his life just got worse and worse and worse and worse. I mean, he's, his brothers are picking on him. They throw him in a the pit. Then they get taken, they're going to kill him. Then they sell him off to the slave slave traders. Who Then he gets bought by a, a wealthy guy. And his this wealthy guy's wife lies about him and says he tried to advance himself on her. So then, uh, you know, Potiphar throws him in prison. He's in prison for two years. I mean, his life literally just went down in the toilet. Uh, you know, over and over and over again down. But then there comes that moment. You know the story. I'm not going to go into all of it. But in that moment, God is working. See, in every this entire time, he's thinking maybe to himself, golly, I thought, you know, God had given me a vision that I was going to be great, that I was going to do something, that people were going to bow to me. And now here I am in prison. How could this be? But God was in control of the entire situation. Joseph didn't see. Joseph didn't know the end of the story. Job didn't know the end of the story. We have the privilege to read and we know what happens, but they didn't know it. As far as Joseph knew, he was going to spend the rest of his life in prison. As far as Job knew, he was going to spend the rest of his life with nothing and with with sores and die. But in a moment's time, God gives Pharaoh a dream and everybody's trying to interpret this dream and the butler, you remember the story, the butler says, oh, Pharaoh, my bad. There's a guy in prison that interpreted a dream that I had. When the butler it was the uh, yeah it was the butler. Um, he interpreted a dream that I had. So here's Joseph in his cell, his life going completely the wrong way, horrible resorted to the fact that maybe I'm going to be here the rest of my life and in one second one moment the door opens and his life changes forever. He comes in before Pharaoh he interprets Pharaoh's dream. He said seven years of famine is going to come after we have seven years of plenty. You need to do what you can to store things up. Uh, and get ready for this famine, and Pharaoh takes him out of the prison and advances him, Joseph becomes the second, only second to Pharaoh, becomes the second most powerful man in the entire world at that time. You talk about it. moment's change. When all you have is a moment, God can do something with that. That's why, folks, if you have... Uh, let, me, let me put it to you like this. If you have a situation, and this could, uh, you put your situation in there. When you come to a situation where you only have a moment to make a decision, pray. Amen? Amen. If you only have a deci- just a moment, you've got to make a decision. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Pray. God knows what to do in that moment. Time has slowed down to God. It, I mean, we're like, oh, I've got five minutes, and God says, oh, man, that's, I've got, that's, that's, that's 500 years, right? Um,. Every every moment is in control of God. Jesus tried to to get that across to his disciples. He he did things to try to teach them. Uh, And this is a message for all of us as as workers or as Christians, period, that what Jesus wanted to teach his disciples was, you know, live in the moment, uh, trust God with every moment, and know that God will rise to the occasion. So he tells his disciples, he sends them out to preach. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. What do you think generally happens when sheep when sheep get around wolves, right? The wolves aren't very nice to them. Let's put it that way. Um, and I'm gonna send you out like like a bunch of sheep in front of wolves to preach the gospel, and they're gonna they're gonna pound you, they're gonna beat you, they're gonna arrest you. But when they bring you up before the magistrates or before the kings and you're standing trial because you're preaching the gospel, Jesus says to them, mm, "Don't worry about what you're gonna say." This is what he said actually in chapter thirteen of verse eleven of Mark. When they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. In that moment, you don't, we don't have to plan for everything. Now, I'm not saying that we don't. It's good to have them. I mean, you know, I'm not saying, oh, just, you know, Quit your job tomorrow and just trust that God's going to just somehow you know bring manna from heaven so you don't that's not what I'm saying. Obviously, we plan, we prepare, but at the bottom line is Jesus said, I want you to understand that I have a plan that always trumps yours. And so when we learn to trust God with every moment, God shows up in a mighty way. He says, When you get to that moment, you don't have to plan it all out, some sort of psychological Bible say, well, I'm gonna tell him about this. I'm he said, just in that moment. The Holy Ghost will put in your mind and in your mouth what you need to say. And so these, these are, and we read that happening time and time again as the disciples are brought in and they're beaten and they're brought before them. And, and these, these uh, leaders, these judges and rulers would say, you can no longer preach in the name of this Jesus. And these guys would just instantly, would come to their mind, and they would say, we can do nothing but preach about this Jesus. We can only do and tell about what we have seen and heard. God was faithful in the moment. He always will be. He you, there was one time he told me, he said, don't, don't take any extra money, don't take a purse or an extra coat. He said, I want you to really go out and know that in the, your moment of need, whatever that need is, I am going to be there. I'm going to be on it. I'm already on it. What is your, out, what is your moment of need? It comes in so many forms and, fa- fam- forms and fa- fashion. It comes in all kinds of you know, ways. Uh, but God says, I'm on it. I'm already on it. Trust me in the moment, okay? Um, every moment, I believe, is just literally hand-designed uh, by God when you think about it like that. And let me say this kind of a, a bit of a side note, I guess. Um, you know, when, when all you have is a moment to spend with your kids, spend it. Spend it with them. When all you have is a moment, spend it with them. Um, the best memories are made from the best moments, right? I don't remember every single day of my childhood, but there are moments that stick out in my mind. Probably didn't take more than 15, 20 minutes, but it made a good memory, right? Moments matter. They're, they're very important. Uh, take those moments with your kids. Take them with your spouses. Uh, 30 minutes spent with your children. To you, that won't seem like a lot of time. I mean, there's 24 hours in a day. So 30 minutes, you say, well, I don't have time to do anything you know with them because i'm so busy 30 minutes to you may seem like a long time but thir- i mean seem like not much time but to a kid 30 minutes is going to seem like a whole afternoon you spend 30 minutes with your kid giving them your undivided attention that moment is going to matter to them they'll never forget it amen I believe that's what god is teaching us we're getting we're so we're so consumed with the day right we're so consumed with the week we got our we got our daily planners we buy our daily, daily planners and we plan it out hour by hour, day by day. We forget that sometimes just that little moment may be the, the thing that changes our life or it may be the thing that changes somebody else's life. Amen? We okay, get So as much caught up in the day as we do uh, in the moment. One degree. Think about it like this. One degree. I think about this last night when I was sitting in a hunting blind, freezing to death. I thought it was getting chilly. One degree is seem, it's seemingly it's, it's insignificant and it really doesn't change things one way or the other most of the time. Okay, so if it's if it's sixty-five degrees, now let's say seven. say it's seventy degrees. That's nice, and then and then it goes to seventy-one. You don't notice that. One degree is pretty insignificant. If it goes you know, from sixty-five to sixty-four, you don't notice it. It's one degree. It doesn't matter. It's insignificant. But when water is two hundred and eleven degrees, one degree makes a difference. What does it mean? It means at 212 degrees water boils. So at 211 degrees you just have hot water. At one more, one more little degree that most of the time doesn't matter but now it matters because one more degree more the water boils. Amen? Same way the other direction. Water at 33 degrees right? One more degree makes a big difference. What does it do? You, at 33 degrees you have water. At 32 degrees you have ice. Right? One degree makes that big of a difference. And I believe that the same is true for a second. The same is true for a moment. One, one second in God's hands can change everything. We go through, how many seconds are there in a the day? I should have done the math. There's a lot of seconds in the day, and for the most part, they're insignificant. We don't think about, okay, one second passed. One, now there's another one. There's another one. Okay, I, I did this this second, and I got it. We don't think about seconds. They're insignificant. But in a moment... In God's hands, when those critical times come, those one moments can be very life-changing, and God can change. And of course. In fact, the Bible goes on to say this. It says that little is much when God is in it. Little is much, little is a lot, when God is in it. That's true of everything. It's true to say, say money. Say, look, I got a hundred bucks. That's not very much money. Well, if God's in it, He can bless that hundred bucks, right? And he, he can multiply it. You say, well, all, I've got's, all I have is five or ten minutes to pray today. That's, that's not a much that's not n- enough. That's not much. God can take that five minutes. If we pray in the spirit and we come God can multiply. That five minutes could feel like five hours. Little is a lot when God's in it. Amen. He's looking for the moments. We, we we get thinking, okay, well I've got to be able to God's wanting me to do this, but I just don't have the time these days to do what God is wanting me to do. So whenever I get my life all when I get retired or when I get this situated, when I get that situated, when I have all this extra time, then I'll go ahead and do what God wants me to do. How many of you have a lot of extra time? How many of you are trying desperately to get extra time only to find that you have less time than you did before you were trying to get the extra time? Amen? and, And the weird thing about that is most of you understood what I just got done saying, right? I mean... One of these days when I get, God says, no, I'm not looking necessarily for your weeks and your days, even your years. Give me a moment. Just give me a minute and let me show myself to you. Amen? Because what happens when God reveals himself to me in this moment, then I can trust and I'm looking forward to the next moment. Amen? Every moment's special when we're in the presence of God. And he's, he's wanting us to see that. God can do in one second what you and I couldn't do in a thousand years maybe tried for years and years to get your kids or your grandkids back on the straight and narrow. You've preached them a million sermons. You've gave them a thousand lectures. You've talked to them over and over and over for years and whoop, whoop, right? In one ear, out the other. God said, I can do do more in a second's time. Commit them to me, right? I can do way more in one event than you can do in a, hundred years of harping. You look back, we were talking there in Second Peter. Peter's talking about, he's referring back to the flood and how that everything changed in a moment's time. And when you think about it, hundreds of years, uh, in hundreds of years, uh, it took men to corrupt, well, it didn't take hundreds of years for men to corrupt the earth, but hundreds of years up until the flood, men had absolutely corrupted the world like crazy. It took hundreds and hundreds of years to get it to the point where the Bible says their thoughts were only evil continually. I mean, this is, it was a raunchy world. And what took a thousand, a thousand years or so to get to, God literally destroyed in one moment. In one flood. These people woke up one day thinking this crazy preacher out here in this boat is nuts. And with one raindrop, their life changed. Amen? It came and went that fast. And since that period, thousands of years have passed since that day. And we have perfected, mankind, we have perfected our earth-corrupting abilities. Amen? We've gotten a lot of years of practice at corrupting this earth and the sin that runs rampant within it and the the rebellion. We rebel against God constantly. And Peter's saying here, just like God in a moment changed everything at the flood there will be a day where in a moment, a moment in a twinkling of an eye to be exact, God will change everything with fire, right? All the elements, the entirety of the earth will be burned with fervent heat. Thousands of years. Everything that we have built God will, over the years God will destroy in a, in a moment's time. It's taken us about a year to build this building. And literally one tornado could come through here and in seconds that building would be nothing but a pile of metal and wood he can destroy what we've built and he can build what we've destroyed one moment god's saying live in live for me in every moment amen don't put your trust in these top these things that are that are just temporary they're they're momentary for sure in 1st corinthians 15 Verse 52. Paul says, We shall not all sleep, meaning we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. Right? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll all be changed. Jesus can change everything now, but in that moment, everything will be changed forever. Amen? We read about a man in... in, uh, Mark chapter 10. In fact, you might want to turn there. I may want to read just a little bit of this. Mark chapter 10. Read about a man. He was a blind man. His name was Bartimaeus. I'll let you get there here. Chapter 10, verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho, Jesus and his disciples, uh, and a great crowd. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now why do you think he was so adamant? I want you to think about this for just a second. Here's a man who's been blind his entire life. His life, he can't, he can't see, he can't work, and all he can do, his entire life, consisted of him sitting by the, on the roadside begging for money every day. That's what his entire life consisted of. There were not necessarily a lot of programs in place like we have today. I mean, his livelihood depended on whether or not people were going to throw money into his cup, so to speak. And he hears that Jesus is coming. Think about this now. His whole life building up to this one moment, Right? And he hears that Jesus is coming by and he says, I've got a window. I've got a small window of opportunity and I have got to get Jesus' attention in this moment. And he just, he's, I mean, you know, we read it here and there's exclamation points. But you have to understand, this guy was screaming. He was yelling, waving his arms, Jesus, Jesus. He had, he he was desperate to get Jesus' attention. Why was he so adamant? Be quiet. Jesus ain't got time for an old... Beggar? Jesus ain't got time for no. B- but he heard. He knew what Jesus could do, and he knew that if he sat quietly and did nothing, his moment would pass. Amen. I want to take advantage of this moment, and in that moment, when he come in contact with Jesus, that moment changed the the entire course of his life. Jesus sees the guy over there making a commotion, trying to get his attention, and Jesus some of the most comforting words in Scripture. Jesus says, "Call him." Hallelujah. Bring him, bring him to me. Everybody else, mankind rejected him, thought he was scum, thought he was a lowlife, thought he was nothing, pushed him aside. But Jesus, that's the one that caught Jesus' attention. Call him, bring him to me. Do you understand this morning that Jesus is saying that same thing to every single one of you this morning? Call him. Come on. Come to me. Use your moment, seize that moment when God is moving, when God is near use that moment to call out to him and and you'll get the same reply. Jesus said, everybody that comes to me, I will in no wise cast them out. I'll receive anybody who comes to me. Hallelujah. And it paid off. Bartimaeus committing that moment to Jesus and Jesus healed his blindness, changed his life forever. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus said. The blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus said, go your way, your faith has made you well. Immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. One moment with God. <laughs> it's like a thousand years. What can God do with that moment's time? I'm going to wrap this up here in a minute, but if you, if you re, uh, hang it right, turn back to Revelation chapter number 18. <clears throat> Obviously in Revelation, is Jesus showed John, the Apostle John on the island of Patmos, things to come, Right? Things that were to come, you know, shortly in that day and things that were to come in the end of time, right? You read through the book of Revelation, obviously, uh, it's not easy to understand. There's a lot of things in the book of Revelation that we don't understand and I believe probably aren't supposed to understand until it happens. But one thing we can get from this, here, this chapter 18 of Revelation, is that when everything changes and when God takes control... It will be in just a very short period of time, right? God is calling all of us to be ready for that moment. For we don't know when that moment will take place, right? Now look at this. In chapter 18, verse 1. After this, John said, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory, and he called out with a mighty voice. And this is what the angel said. He declared, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations, how many nations? All nations. The whole world has drunk uh, the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. The kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. The merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins. Now that's the interesting part. Let's talk about what Babylon represents, first of all. And it represents a number of things. But for the most part, it represents a worldview. It represents a world religion. It represents everything that is opposite of God. Just to put it completely simple, right? We read about ancient Babylon and how they... Uh, you know, captivated the people of, uh, of, of God's people and dominated the world and they were ruthless. They were vicious people in Babylon. But John is using Babylon to represent the mentality of people in the world today and ultimately up to the end of the world. What does Babylon represent? Babylon was out to conquer the world. Babylon did conquer the world, nation after nation after nation. And sin and Satan, the, world, the world's view, humanistic view, is out to engulf every soul. And Jesus is saying to John, there's going to come a day where this is all going to come to an abrupt end. But here's the interesting part that I, want, I don't want to miss, I don't want to leave out. We, we listen to this and we think about how sinful the world is, and we know that one day all of the sin will come to an end. But what did I look? What I just read? Come out of her, who my people. Come away, come out of Babylon, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. Jesus is saying to His church, "Come out from among the world, right? Leave it, leave Babylon, leave the worldview, leave the sin, leave the lust, and and leave it all behind, and come into Me." And this is why. Go down to verse number 9. The kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand afar off in fear or torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. How long? Now, if you read, I'm not going to read all this, but if you read on through there, it talks about the merchants of the earth will be wailing and weeping. People who sold things. Let me read a little part of this. Uh, the merchants of the earth weep and mourn since no one buys their cargo anymore. Silver, gold, silk, scarlet cloths, scented wood, all kinds of articles, blah, blah, blah. So this, this Babylon, this worldview is, is, is something in which uh, money has driven it. Lust has driven it, right? You look at uh, the world. What, what good is a warehouse full of goods if nobody's buying the goods? Right? As long as the economy's good and the world's good and people are selling stuff and making money, they they're just happy as they can be. Take all of that away and their world comes collapsing in. God said that's exactly what's going to happen. The entire world economy, the entire world system in 1 hour, in 1 moment is going to come to an abrupt end. And many Will weep and mourn and cry because their world is taken away. Jesus says, My people, don't be led like that. Commit your moments to me. And then in that moment, we won't be like, Oh no, horrible, all oh, the economies tank. We'll be, Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. We'll be like, The time is near. Hallelujah. We rejoice. A moment, depending on what side of the fence you're on, makes a pretty big difference. Amen? The moment Jesus returns, again, moment, twinkling of an eye, to those who are lost, who have never been saved, who are not followers of Jesus Christ, that moment will be dreadful. It will be horrible. But for those who are washed in the blood, for those who have looked to Jesus Christ on that cross 2,000 years ago, repented of their sins and committed their life to following Him, that moment will be glorious. Amen? It'll be wonderful because it'll be a moment that's ushering us into eternity where we then no longer understand the concept of moments. Amen? <laughs> In eternity, just like God, a thousand years will be like one day and one day be like a thousand years. I think, was, I think it was John Hagee said one time, he had a handkerchief. He said, if I was to take this handkerchief and drag it... Across uh, the world. No, I mean, yeah. And drag it across the mountain until that mountain was completely flat. Only one second of eternity has taken place. Think about that. A handkerchief. Drag it over the Grand Tetons. Over and over and over. How many (laughs) gazillions of years would it take if that handkerchief was to hold up? How long would it take for that handkerchief... To literally level it. Someone, else, someone said, if an ant was to walk around the entire globe, one ant, walk around the whole world, and keep doing it in the same trench over and over and over again until the world split in half. One second of eternity has not even taken place yet. Get the gist? Gist? Get the gist? That's what I'm about to say. Thank you. I think that's peanut butter, isn't it? Uh, You get the gist? We can't comprehend eternity. Moments now, but eternity then. There's no more moments. It's forever. We can't comprehend it. It never ends. We can't comprehend it. What a glorious thought to us who have had a moment with Jesus. Amen? Amen? I want to invite you to have a moment with Jesus this morning. Let this be the moment that changes the entire course of your life. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're on the road that leads to hell. That's what the Scripture teaches. But God loves you too much for that. There's no reason for anybody to go to hell. Because in this moment, as God deals with your heart and convicts you of your sins, God can change your course. You can spend eternity with God and not eternity in hell. Eternity with God, you know, we think, Oh, it's going to be great, you know, being with God forever and not thinking about a moment. but think about in hell, it's like that moment that seems to never end, and it will never end. Think about that. it's a horrible thought. The Bible says that, that life is like a vapor, right? It's a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. That's the nature of a vapor. It doesn't last very long. Strike a match, and then the vapor is gone. And that if we live, no matter how long we live, our life is like that vapor when you compare it to eternity. A moment, really, when we say, when I I title this, when a moment is all you have, but literally, a moment is all any of us have. If our life is like a vapor, then our life is a moment, a small moment in the scope of eternity. So we don't want to waste the moments that we have. Amen? There's a song here on the radio every now and again. I think the group is Switchfoot, but it it says, uh, Life is short, I want to live it well. Amen? Life is short, I want to live it well. More specifically, I want to live it for Jesus. Amen? I can live my life for me now and then spend eternity with me later. Or I can spend my life with Jesus now and spend eternity with Jesus later. Amen? It's a moment. Stand with me this morning if you will, please. In this moment.